blocked by Polak and Rice. Another spectacular stop. Broussard tees it up and a save is made by Bobrovsky. Nelson, Barzell with the open net and he scores! Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. All right, thanks everybody for joining us here for the Wednesday edition of the Locked On Islanders and Locked On Panthers podcast. Gil Martin and uh, here for the Islanders and great to welcome Armando Velez of Locked On Florida Panthers. I wish it was under better circumstances for my team, but Armando, always a pleasure to have you here. Absolutely, Gil, and great to be here with you. And like we talked about before we uh, hit the record button, uh, we, we get to talk about for a full show instead of 10 minutes as uh, the for the people who don't know, both on the Islanders and the Panthers uh, feeds, Gil Martin does host the Monday edition of Locked on NHL, and I've been on a few times to talk some Florida Panthers. He's just mostly asking me about the Panthers. It's never both of our teams in like one uh, segment, um, but we get, we get an opportunity to talk about both our teams in uh, this time around and go more in depth into things, and I'm, I'm glad to be here. Well, it's great to have you and want to thank everyone for making Locked On Islanders and Locked On Panthers your first listen every day. We're both free and available on all platforms. So, Armando, you had to be happy with the the game, especially the first period. I mean, the Panthers were on a bit of a losing streak and, and they certainly bounced back very quickly in this game. Yeah, um, they're coming off an 0-2 and two uh, road trip uh, up in the Northeast, where they lost uh, to the Rangers, where they outshot them by over 30 uh, shots on goal, get destroyed by New Jersey seven to three, and then two overtime losses against uh, Pittsburgh and Tampa, which I was in person for the uh, one in Tampa um, up at Emily Arena. So the it was, it, but the the because the fact that the Florida Panthers started. 10 one one uh, they were still getting used to a new voice in the locker room with Coach Q no longer uh, being around and Andrew Burnett taking over. It wasn't a time for panicking for the Florida Panthers. Many of the media members, including myself, have always said that this is this team is going to figure it out. And what really started for this team, I, I think, to fi- figuring this out was midway through last game where they shuffled the lines before tonight's game even. Huberto and Barkov weren't back on the same line together, but midway through the Tampa game, they were reunited on a line together and that carried over to this game. So that was a little bit of a tweet that Andrew Burnett made for this team. And it paid off early, especially on that first goal where it was Barkov to Duclair to Hubi on that first goal. So it, it, it really paid off early for the, for the cats. It did, and that top line especially, they are fast, they are skilled, and, and they know how to finish. So, uh, you know, that first goal was very pretty from a Panthers perspective. Uh, you know, to me, I was just surprised at, at the Islanders' poor play in their own zone, especially in that first period. Yeah, and I, I noticed that with all of the goals, it was mostly on some rushes, mostly. Um, the one by... 
the the fifth goal of the game by uh, Ekblad was mo- was also one that the Panthers were able to beat the Islanders on a board battle and then work it around and then Ekblad scores on a, on a slap shot uh, through Varlamov and and I and I think about it like this for the Islanders perspective this is their last game of a thirteen game uh, road trip um, Sorokin has been great for most of the season having three shutouts. And this was a this was a game where Sorokin didn't look like himself, and the the fourth goal especially where yeah. I, I tweeted I tweeted after from my personal account saying for don't don't play against Patrick Hornquist and darts because you'll lose because <laughs> that, that was that was a goal where Sorokin was hugged up against the pipe, but Patrick Hornquist just put it in the right place at the right time, bounced it off his helmet and then in the goal. And I'm just like, wow, it's just not, it's just going to be that type of night for the Florida Panthers. Yeah. And I I didn't blame Sorokin really on any of those goals. Uh, I mean, the thing that struck me from an Islanders perspective, I think three of the first four goals were on rebound situations almost Mm -hmm. like, and, and, Every 50-50 battle for a loose puck and a rebound, the Panthers were there first, and they were able to capitalize and get some really good quality scoring chances from, you know, the high traffic, dangerous areas in front of the goal. And, you know, those guys didn't miss. And, and you know, from a Panthers perspective also, I think every line scored at least once. Yeah, um, the, the first uh, four goals, uh, each of them were from the first line uh, with uh, – Hubie's uh, scoring the first one and the and the third one with Verhage, as the broadcast said it, Lomborg uh, scored <laughs> his first goal of the season on that uh, rebound. It's it's Lomborg for people uh, wondering uh, at home. Uh, yeah, Ekblag uh, gets one and then Vetrano. So the only uh, line uh, to not score in this one was the second um, second line uh, tonight. Okay. But hey. Um, this is this is a this is a team that has especially even strength has just been one of the best if not the best in the National Hockey League and right now the the biggest question for the Florida Panthers has just been special teams especially the power play uh, where where right now they're on an 0 for 13 streak of not scoring on the power play dating back to their first game of the road trip so the six to one um, win tonight we can not necessarily forget about their lack of scoring on the power play, but still the fact that they can score even strength kind of like, you know, puts that conversation a little at ease. Will it, will it affect them later? Who knows? Wanted to ask you about the Scott Mayfield hit. Uh, I, I think he did deserve the major penalty, although I don't think he intentionally tried to injure, uh, you know, anybody on that play, but, from a Panthers perspective, what did you see on that play? What were your thoughts about the call? I don't think it was intentional either. Um, it was just, uh, it, it, it just had, and for the people on the Islanders feed that don't know, I am a referee in real life. I do referee multiple sports. And when you got to consider time of the game, score, and subconsciously sometimes for referees, especially on the professional level, it still gets injured. And they see that right. it's the superstar of the Panthers subconsciously. And they see that a a player from that the team is not only they not only they do they collide against each other, but he's unable to come back into the game. And 
goes to the locker room and doesn't come back. But even, but all, also, I also think about with the score of the game as well, where it was. It, it, even if he was healthy, if, even if Alexander Barkov was healthy enough to come back into the game, it, it's just something that you don't want to take a risk on. And it's just like the, the game's already out of hand. If he's healthy enough to play on Thursday against the New Jersey Devils, then let him rest a little bit. Let him heal a little bit. Let the training uh, staff take care of it. <laughs> but as far as the major, the fact that he was unable to come back into the game, slow to get up, that was really what made it a major. If he was a, if Barkov was able to come back up um not as not slow at all, then you just it's just your typical minor penalty. But the fact that it took a long time for him to get up and the fact that um it it was a big star player on on a team, referees think it subconsciously, they won't say it out loud, but they 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 see that as a situation for that. Does the fact that had Mayfield stayed in the game and, and come back, let's say, late in the second period after sitting out, you know, two minutes or, or even even if he got a 10-minute misconduct, the possible uh, situation that would ar- arise where a game might get out of hand physically with a one-sided score, how much does that also go into a referee's mind when they're calling a penalty like that? Well, what what referees do uh, talk about early um, is, especially in uh, pregame meetings, is sometimes when you uh, set a penalty, you you have to set like a tone setter. It's like if you're not going to tolerate this in the in the first period, um, then you're not going to tolerate this in the third period. And games do get out of control uh, based on if you allow certain hits to fly um, early on and and not get called and and. And and that has happened. That's even happened for games that I've refereed too. And even though there were some scuffles, especially with Radko Gudis uh, <laughs> after after uh, after a hit on I, I uh, it was on Brock Nelson. Brock and Nelson. Kyle Palmer, Kyle Palmer got a little frustrated on that. And I think the referees did a good job where something didn't get too far out of hand. Uh, honestly, I didn't think I don't I didn't think the scuffles got too far out of bounds. No. They're just your typical hockey fights. Now, the quick question, and then we got to go to a break, but does Gudis always have that grin on his face when something like that happens? I mean, that was uh, that was like the cat who ate the canary. I mean, what was with that grin? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, uh, that's just who Radko Gudis is. He's always tops of the NHL in hits. Right now, he's second in the league uh, in hits. He topped the NHL last year in uh, hits. He's, he, he's that type of player who just if if he's not on your team, you probably don't like Radko Gudis. But as for the Florida Panthers, because he's on our on our team, and he and he and he plays the red and um with on the red, with the red and white on his uh, jersey, um, it also he, he's a guy who brings that toughness on on this team. Um, he he he's played on just any ask anyone who's played with him on the Tampa Bay Lightning, ask him anyone who's played with him on the Washington Capitals. Uh, people people love him if he's on if he's on your team. But yeah, usually he has that grin grin on his face, and he's like laughing it up because because pe- he gets under people's skin. That's yeah, that's his job. Mm-hmm. For sure, that's his job. All right, uh, let's talk about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. I love Thanksgiving, all the good food and treats, and plenty of them. But maybe you want a yummy dessert that isn't so full of calories and sugar. Well, it's the perfect time for Built Bars. Built Bar is the new holiday dessert. 
think about it. One slice of pie has upwards of 300 calories, and that's on the low end. But most Built Bars are only 130 calories and only four grams of sugar, and they're packed with plenty of protein. Low calorie, low carb, low fat, high protein, and all the bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. So share some Built Bars at your family gatherings. It'll make things less awkward. Maybe Aunt Betty hasn't tried a Built Bar yet. And you know, there'll be new surprises all month with limited time flavors arriving at Built.com regularly. So check with the site often. And there's nothing like a Built Bar Black Friday. Mark your calendar. Black Friday will be a huge event with all sorts of surprises. Go to Built.com right now. Use the promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. Once again, want to thank everyone for making Locked On Islanders and Locked On Panthers your first listen every day. Armando, as far as the Islanders' defense was concerned, I mean, I saw a lot of breakdowns. I was not happy with what I saw out there on the ice. What did you see the Islanders doing wrong? What what was missing from the Islanders defensively, in your opinion? I think, uh, and this is this is one thing that I hear a lot of coaches uh, yell at, um, especially on the youth level. Um, I, I I hear the term head on a swivel all the time. And I think that's really what it comes down to is when you're defending somebody, uh, there's a certain philosophy where it's like two eyes in, in, ho- in, in hockey, in hockey terms, two eyes on the puck, one, um, one eye on your man, excuse me, two eyes on two seconds on your man, one eye on the, um, one second on the puck. So it's like, turning your head a few seconds. It's like a three second sequence when it comes to that. And especially on that first goal, a lot of eyes were on Duclair. I mean, of course, when you have a speedster like Duclair is sometimes if you don't, if you pay to put your eyes too much on your man, then, then if your guy is beat, then you're not going to uh, slide over to make, make a play. And then that's when someone else is open, but that it, it was just a matter of, too many eyes on one on one side versus versus uh the other um as far as the last two goals um though they did have uh breakaways and um shots on Sorokin I thought those could have been cleaned up by Sorokin it's just a matter of Verhage uh pickpocketing and being able to get one through the through the net the rebound control for Sorokin was not great on that second goal on that second goal where Lomberg gets his uh first of the season and the fourth goal, the fourth goal was just weird, honestly. Like like we <laughs> talked about earlier, that 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 was just that was just uh, put in the right place. And I don't think, and I think Sorokin could have done everything he could have. I don't think there was a big um, breakdown by the Islanders on that one. It was just he he hit it in the right place and it bounced right behind the net. Um, and 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 of course. Um, Vetrano's goal, one one thing that I haven't um that I haven't touched on yet. I thought that was great puck handling by him. Um Aho was on his back um checking him and he was still able to uh still keep the puck um possessed and get it through through the net um past Varlamov on that one. And and yeah, for for it, it was just their ability to it, they 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 scored different types of goals. Not not only many goals but different types. One like like I said, rebound lack of rebound control, some breakaways, and some uh, just with great stick handling. 
Yeah, the Islanders also, of course, uh, shorthanded on defense. Ryan Pulak didn't play in the game. He was scratched with a lower body injury. And then, of course, when Scott Mayfield was ejected from the game, they were down to uh, five defensemen for the rest of the game. And, and you know, missing Pulak, one of their top two defensemen, Mayfield, a solid defensive defenseman. You're going with Noah Dobson and Sebastian Ajo, two puck moving, but less physical guys. And I, I think that hurt the Islanders as well. Yeah. And they're also missing Josh Bailey as well, who, uh, who was on the COVID list after uh, playing last night. That has a lot to do with it. Yep. And, and one thing I, one thing that I, I want to touch on actually is something that John Tortorella talked about before the puck even dropped today for, for this game on, on the game for, which was on ESPN plus. Uh, for both. Uh, so we, we, you and I saw the same feed uh, right. tonight. So John Tortorella, before the puck even dropped, talked about whenever um, a team is struggling and whenever they're at the end of a long road trip, which the Islanders road trip, uh, they said on the broadcast, was the second longest in NHL history. Yep. John Tortorella was talking about how he went up to his assistant coaches one time after talking to his players about a skid that one of his teams was on right before the end of a road trip. And then he went up to his assistant coaches telling them, I don't know if they heard a thing I even said, or listened to a thing I even said. And I think about the mindset of the Islanders players right now of the grind of these 13 games, traveling to the West coast, back to East, back to New York, which I discovered um, that they they're going back to, to New York instead of staying on the road the whole time. So going back home, but not even playing a game, just practicing. So that grind that that has something has something to do with that. So, and honestly, for the for the New York Islanders and and your side of things, they they couldn't be happier to be opening the UBS Arena, which I believe is Saturday against yep. Calgary. Yeah. So, and I saw that it's fifteen of the next twenty one at home. So. It, it, it the points percentage wise it's going to say that they're last place right now but take it from the Florida Panthers side is the Florida Panthers record is 11 and 3 right now all their losses have been on the road this year they're now 8 0 and 0 at home it's such a difference playing in front of your home crowd and, oh it is and i listened to Barry Trotz's media availability uh this morning um where he talked about more than just Casey Zizekas' game time decision about the mindset, about feeding off momentum uh, from the home crowd, how much that affects um, players. And he talked about that and, and it, and it rings so true. The Florida Panthers um, definitely uh, are, if there's any team in the NHL, that's a product right now of a team that's feeding off a crowd. The Florida Panthers can tell you that with their eight Oh and Oh record. And for the Islanders, 15 of the next 21, they couldn't be happier to be back home. Oh, no question about that. And then, you know, you add to that, you get the last change when you're at home and that allows the coach to get better matchups and, and, and that helps a little bit too. I mean, you usually don't start talking about those things till you get into a playoff series and then you're talking about matching lines and all that stuff, but it goes on during the regular season as well. And yeah, the Islanders are going to be very, very happy to, to come home and to sort of start clean and, and be in front of their own fans. If you think about it, 
for a regular season game. There hasn't been a full house in almost two years, a year and three quarters, uh, you know, it, during the regular season at least. It'll be great. The new arena, people will be stoked. And uh, it, it's got to be uh, a welcome relief for the Islanders who – uh, racked up the frequent flyer miles early on. The the only longer road trip in NHL history, in case you were wondering, 2010 when the Canucks were hosting in Vancouver the Winter Olympics, they had a longer road trip because they needed to set things up at their arena in addition to the actual time for the Olympics. So that that was a the only road trip that was longer in NHL history. That's amazing. And it kind of makes sense because of geographically where they're at. There right. isn't a team. If, because the Seattle Kraken didn't exist at the time, every single game was like more than a thousand miles from them. So, yeah, that, make, that makes perfect sense for sure. It does. Uh, Armando, why don't you uh, talk a little bit about Bet Online? Yeah, Bet Online. We're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of the basketball and hockey season, and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball, hockey, and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code locked on to receive your bonus from basketball to football to baseball to hockey to boxing to UFC, right to your favorite. Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, uh, Armando, how concerned are you about Barkov? Is there any early uh, indication about how serious his injury is? And and uh, you know, obviously he would be a big loss to the Panthers. I am refreshing my feed now as uh, we speak, but um, at first I thought it was just knee to knee. I'm, I don't, I, I, I don't want to speculate, but at first I thought it was just a regular uh, bruise because um, I've collided uh, um, with knee to knee one time and it ended up being a bruise where <laughs> that that's not, that that's not, that that's not easy to like get up. It's not easy to even bend your knee. And um, the latest tweet that I got is there's no immediate update uh, on Alexander Barkov and he will be reevaluated uh, tomorrow. So that's, uh, that's the latest update on Alexander Barkov and something that uh, for me, I will uh, bring in to the show for uh, tomorrow to definitely a lot to talk about as they will be preparing to face off the New Jersey against the New Jersey devils where they got destroyed last time they faced each other by a final score of seven to three. But I want to ask you, I want to ask you something, uh, Gil, um, Kyle Palmieri, um, he struggled to score a little bit this year, but he finally got on the board and Kyle Palmieri, because of the deficit, it didn't look too exciting. It didn't look too exciting when he scored because of the circumstances, but there, there is a positive to take um, take from this that he got on the board. How, how, what, from the Islanders' perspective, what are you thinking of him uh, getting on the board after struggling to get on the board early in the season? I'm glad you asked. And this was his first goal of the year. He, he's been setting other people up pretty well, but it is very important for the Islanders to get Palmieri going offensively. Uh, you, you know, he's a top six forward. Uh, he spent a lot of time, he started the season on the top line, and to go without a goal 
for the first 12 games of the year, you know, you can't have that and, and continue to win. It's one of the reasons, one of several reasons, why the Islanders are, you know, 29th in the league in goals scored coming into this game. So very important to get Palmieri back. And and then, you know, the other thing that I liked was when uh, Gudis hit Brock Nelson, Palmieri came to his aid. And again, it didn't get out of hand, but at least he stuck up for his teammate. You know, they were down, I think, 5-1 at that point. And at least he showed a little moxie that he wasn't going to just, you know, let that go without doing something about it. So that is definitely a positive sign for the Islanders coming out of this game. And they're going to need a lot more from Palmieri uh, starting Saturday against Calgary. What for you was the biggest positive that you took for the Panthers from this game? Because there were many. Uh, they looked a lot better in the faceoff circle. They're one of the bottoms um, in the league in faceoff percentage. Um, coming into this game, they were 31st. Um, but the the final the final numbers when it comes to the faceoff uh, circle will say that the New York Islanders won the battle. But after the first period, they were dominating the faceoff circle. Um, I, I wrote wrote this down. After the first period, it was like 59 to 41 um, in the faceoff circle for the Panthers. After the second period, it was 54 to 46. They um, they ended up uh, being they ended up being um, um, the Islanders winning 51 to 49. So the the Islanders kind of woke up a little bit in the in the in the third period um, for for the for for their side, but it was a little too little too late, of course. But they did look better. They did look better in that aspect of it. And of course, I tell people face-offs aren't the end all be all, but it's great that when late game situations happen and you need a win, especially in the defensive zone, that you you definitely uh get get a, a face-off win win for 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 your team. And that is the takeaway uh for for this team. And also the the fact that the this team um they they came into this game number one in the NHL in shot attempts for for uh, for uh, the um, coming into the game. They it was a little discouraging losing against the New York Rangers last Monday, where you outshot shoot them by over thirty and you still lose. And I mean you have uh, Igor Shosturkin just playing out of his mind, and you get the you get you get a, only a point in a uh, what glorified skills competition um, against uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins, AKA a shootout. And you, you, Bobrovsky, Bobrovsky and Vasilevsky were just going at it on, um, on, on Saturday. So the, it, it was a little discouraging only getting a quarter of the points in their uh, four game road trip, though you still do need to find a way to win on the road um, in order to win in this league. Um but the fact that they're able to get back on in a place that they're comfortable in, um, they're the fact that Andrew Burnett has mixed up some lines as well. Be, and now the Florida Panthers, here's also the thing. Now the Florida Panthers are in a position where they could put Huberto and Barkov back together on a, on a line because of the complementary pieces they put in the middle six, especially. That's really what it came down to. In, in the past few years, it was, it was a little a little harder to do that and now now and that's something that coach Q was reluctant of to do uh the last few years because he wanted that balance but 
now that you got Sam Bennett as of last trade deadline, Sam Reinhart in the most recent offseason as well, you bring in Anton Lundell from uh, Liga. Owen Tippett is starting to come on his own, which Owen Tippett got another point uh, tonight uh, for the Panthers. He's um, These are two top 15 picks that are on the same line, and they're, they're still on their ELCs um, together, along with a speedy Vitrano, who maybe this is his last year with the Panthers being an expiring contract, but um, Vitrano has been a, a mentor on that third line for uh, the Pan- Panthers and it, it's been it, the the coach Q is still there in spirit though despite resigning and despite the horrible situation that happened his, his message and what has been carried over to his coaching staff hasn't gone away and with brunette being there for two and a half seasons before taking over as the interim head coach um there there I, I said this on the show. He soaked up the information from Coach Q like a sponge, and now he's just going to put his own kind of tweaks into it. Yeah, and, you know, one thing I have to say, uh, and I know we're running out of time, but uh, I was impressed, especially in the first period, with the number of block shots that the Panthers had. They did – and and I look at the stat sheet. Who had four block shots in this game? Jonathan Huberdeau. I mean, that mm-hmm. – you know, when you've got your first line guys blocking shots like that, that says something to me. Yeah, and um, it was the in in Saturday's game, it was quite the opposite, where the Tampa Bay Lightning were uh, getting all the block shots against the the Florida Panthers um, and just creating uh, so many opportunities. And honorable mention to Sergey Bobrovsky, uh, twenty five of twenty eight, even though the the defense in front of him. Um, made his job a lot easier tonight. I, I will say the def- the defense played um, great in front of him, but also Sergei Bobrovsky, the bounce back season that he had, he's had has just been, has just been so great to see. And the high danger scoring chances uh, for Bobrovsky have gone down by a lot as well. So they're, they're both, uh, this is the first time I'm using this term on the show. They're complimenting each other as well. Um, Bobrovsky is making the saves needed and the defense is playing well in front of him too. And that's the sign of a, of a good hockey team. Thanks again for making locked on Islanders and locked on Panthers. Your first listen every day. Now make your second listen locked on bets. It's your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on bets is hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from handicapping expert Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. Armando, I want to thank you. It's uh, always a pleasure talking to you. Uh, again, from my, from my perspective, I wish I had something better to talk about as far as the game for the Islanders was concerned, but uh, you do a great job of covering the Panthers, and it's a pleasure to, to have you here and to talk to you. Absolutely, Gil, and, um, and always, always willing to come on and always willing to talk uh not only Panthers and Islanders together, but of course on Locked on NHL, where you host on Monday. And I'm saying this mostly for the listeners. Subscribe to Locked on NHL, where you'll hear uh, Gil's voice uh, very often on the show, especially on the Monday show. Um, these two teams, um, looking up the schedule again, uh, the Panthers will be at UBS Arena on April 29th, so towards the end of the season. Uh, that will be their last uh, matchup against uh, New York Islanders. So... Look, looking forward uh, to doing this again when these two teams meet again. Absolutely. And who knows, maybe down the road in the playoffs, we meet one more time. We'll see. Mm-hmm. You never know. You never know. 
<laughs> All right, that's going to do it for us today. I want to thank Armando for joining us and doing this great crossover episode. Have a great day, everybody. Stay safe. And of course, let's go Islanders.